RLC founder Dave Evans spends time with partners, clients, and friends in the USA talking about all things business. If you are an inspiring business owner, an entrepreneur, a CEO, or a coach who wants real advice about what to do in business today and wants to hear frank conversations, then this is the show for you. Real life consultations, challenges, and ideas from all around the world. We hope you enjoy this episode of Consultivation. It's not there. Okay, we're live. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Consultivation, the place where we discuss leadership and how to consult with people and extract stories from some fascinating guests we've had. Um, with me today, my name is Kevin Turnbull. Um, uh, I'm a, a, a leadership coach um, based in LA and London. Um, and with me today is the perennial Eric Schwick. Eric. I was, I was wondering what you were going to call me. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, it's good to be with you again. Uh, I always enjoy these conversations. And uh, unfortunately, Dave Evans isn't going to be able to join us, or he may pop in. He had another uh, emergency come up that he wasn't going to say he wasn't be able to be here, but uh, maybe he'll join us later on. Yeah, maybe. And I think it's a good time, actually, um, Eric, to you know kind of look back on some of the guests we've had in the last few weeks and kind of re reflect on you know what we discussed and how we discussed it and. Uh, and you know, just to look at the, the the gems that emerged, and and the whole business of I don't know what you think, but the whole business of reflecting on your business is actually a great thing. I think, you know, just re so many times I've reflected on should I have done that. <laughs> so 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 kind of reflecting and, and and looking backwards to learn lessons for the future, I think is a fantastic thing. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think so. You know, there's times where I say, hey, you know, you can't change what happened in the past, obviously. So you always want to keep looking forward. But I think there's lessons to learn from the past. Right. And um, this last year and a half has been one of those experiences that I think we'll all learn quite a bit as we look back on it um, as as time moves on. But, you know, I've had experience in, in my work life that I always reflect back on that I feel were, you know, major changes in my life. Um, you know, I look back on when I, I was in the corporate world for 22 years and I decided to make this change of becoming an entrepreneur and I bought an accounting firm. And, you know, in one what, respect- what, what, I, what, made you do, what made you do that, Eric? That's a fascinating story. What made you do that? I, Cause I came from an, an account, your corporate, big corporate world as well. Yeah. You know what made me do it is, first of all, I come from a long line of entrepreneurs. My grandfather, you know, immigrated to this land and, you know, I, he was always in business for himself and always did something, you know, had businesses. And so I learned from that. And my father, while he worked for someone for quite a few years, eventually he went out on his own and had his own business as well. So, and, you know, on my, my grandfather, my mom had three uncles who ran into business with my grandfather. So we just come from a long line of entrepreneurs, people that were in business for themselves. You know, in the corporate world, I worked in the consumer manufacturing industry for many years. And I always said my dream would be to own my own manufacturing business and do a turnaround, buy a distressed one. Because I, a lot of my experience was doing a lot of change management and, uh, 
uh, cost reduction, cost management type of projects. So I had a lot of experience there. And the reason I bought this accounting firm was it was an opportunity to kind of do that. It, yeah, it wasn't a consumer manufacturing business, but it still was a business that produced something, it produced financial statements, tax returns, things like that. And so I was able to apply a lot of the principles I had learned in the corporate world to, to that business. Um, you know, it's interesting because I often said, yeah, you know, I hate having to report to someone and have someone looking over me this way, owning your own business, you don't have that. And then I quickly realized, yeah, you don't have one person looking over, you have 200 or whatever number of clients that you have <laughs> that are now Absolutely. bosses. But no, it's, it's having more control over your destiny was part of it. Um, it was, it was a big leap for me because, you know, I always, you know, worked for someone where I knew I was going to be getting a paycheck every other week or once a month, whatever it was at the time. And when you own your own business, it's up to you whether you're going to get a paycheck or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, you know, Eric, building on that, you know, over the last month we've talked to, um, we've talked to Kurt and Bob and uh, Doug and Cynthia. Yeah. Um, who, uh, you know, I think it would be fair to say they all wear the battle scars of being business owners. But I think every, all of them went into it with an optimistic frame of mind that they felt they, that they could do it. And yeah. you think there's something, is it in the genes, as you've kind of said, from your family? Or is it just a kind of, you know, the glass is half full and I can do this and I've got confidence in my ability? Because a lot of people won't take it on. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's something that's inherent in you. Um, you know, I think it's, I did it because I had confidence from my background and my experience in the work world of taking that leap into entrepreneurship. Um, so that's where I, I could speak for myself and where I came from is that, you know, I just had a lot of good um, experiences that I knew I'd be able to build upon. Um, I also, the other thing was when I bought this business, um, you know, we, one of our other people that we interviewed this year was Sean Manning and Sean was the one that actually introduced me to the owner of the firm that I ended up purchasing and he agreed to mentor me. So having a good mentor, someone that's already gone down that path and because Sean had bought his dad's accounting practice probably two or three years prior to me buying the one that I purchased. So having someone to advise you, someone that, you know, can share their experiences. It's not that I necessarily did everything the exact way that Sean did it, but at least he could share, you know, hey, here's the things that I did that didn't work out. You know, it was it was nice having that mentorship, having someone else that you could advise you and talk. Well, I, to. I, I, that is, I completely agree with you, Eric. That is um, so valuable. You know, one of my clients is a plastic surgeon in LA, and, and clearly he doesn't need me for any um, medical um, mentoring. Yeah. Um, but he's involved in all sorts of other businesses and he's he's on an, he's honest enough to say that sometimes I feel out of my depth and I could do with somebody you know like you with a lot of business experience about running businesses and recruiting people and and building stuff to to just give me that help and it's exactly as you described you know I provide a mentorship to that individual who's enormously talented in what he does yeah. but he also is worried that he could make mistakes and you know waste his investment money and cash and stuff like that um, and i simply don't let him do that yeah yeah so kevin let me turn around on you can you talk to me about any experiences that you've had in the past that you reflect back on 
that might have an influence or impact on you today? Yeah, there's a there's there's, there's a couple. You know, I I, I have. <laughs> I think you know when we get to, to my age or our age, we've been around the block a few times. So we've we've seen a few things a few a few, a few times. Yeah, and I always um, uh, put a lot of store by having trust in people. You know, if you've got a, if you've got a leadership team or a board of directors, you don't actually have to like each other. You don't yeah. have to be best buddies, but it's essential that you trust each other. Um, you know, you might come from different walks of life, but. The trust component is um, is really is really essential, and I and I was CEO of a business um, where um, uh, you know the chairman um, recruited a group CEO when we didn't have a group, um, but we had ambitions to do acquisitions, and he was brought in to do that. Okay. Um, but then, of course, as in, as is the human nature, I guess he he promptly he promptly, he promptly sacked me. Um, and uh, and I thought, okay, well, that's just corporate life. That's just the way it is. I wasn't that upset about it all. Um, but he presented to the board the next month when I was still the CEO, and I was kind of chairing the board meeting. Now this was a listed company, so it's a public company. Okay. So these, things, these things are important. And the guy presented a strategic plan which was rubbish, <laughs> and, uh, and the board fell out over it all. And that night. He resigned, so I'd been fired. He resigned. Public company, you know, losing two CEOs in the matter of four weeks was, yeah. was um, you know, didn't look good. <laughs> I know they offered me my my job back as the CEO, uh, and on reflection, I turned them down because I didn't trust them. Hmm. Simple as that. Uh, you know, it was a well-paid job. It was an exciting industry, but um, I, I didn't I didn't feel that they knew what they were doing. Um, yeah, and I just didn't trust them to. Um, uh, kind of honor the, the kind of job offer that, if you like, in six months' time, they would have stabbed me in the back again. Um, and, 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 and I've reflected on that. And it, I mean, it's a story that arguably doesn't put me in a very good light um, because I did get sacked. Uh, but, yeah. I'm happy to, um, but I'm happy to talk about it um, because I think this trust element and honesty, you know, being honest about yourself and, you know, could I have done something different? Uh, is an important part of that reflection, and reflection is all about is is all about learning. It's a learning event. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's interesting because I had something. I wouldn't say it was a trust thing, but um, I had an experience where, in one of my corporate assignments, I was working on a project where it was all about identifying ideas to reduce cost within the organization. And what was interesting is we went into the facilities and we got the people actually that worked on the floor, you know, that operated the machinery and equipment. We included everyone in the brainstorming sessions to get their ideas. And my learning from that was, you know, the guys that sit in the ivory tower aren't the ones with the ideas and the solutions usually. Yeah. Um, and it's really getting everyone involved in, you know, finding solutions, finding ideas to help improve the business was really powerful and really made an impact on me. So to your, you asked me earlier about when I took over this business, you know, one of the key learnings I had was from that experience. So when I was, you know, starting to own a business and had these employees, I always included them in a lot of the decisions that I made. I always got yeah. their input. I always included 
you know, ask for their insights because once again, they have their experiences, right? They can reflect back on their experiences and it's always valuable. Not that, you know, I'm going to abdicate, you know, the final solution or final decision, but it's wonderful to get that input from others. I, I, I agree. I, you know, increasingly as I got older and, and you know, and, I, and you know, I've done a number of assignments. I was a CEO for 22 years in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, always, I always developed a bit of a speech that I'd talk to my leadership team about, and that is, uh, look, I'm a consensual leader, so your, your opinion and point of view will always be heard with no exceptions. Yeah. However, once we agree in a direction and, a, and agree in a decision, and that might not be what you said, um, but I expect you to come along with us um, and kind of say, okay, I've been heard, it got voted down, or Kevin you know, chose not to do that route, um, uh, but I'll go along with, um, uh, with you know, because ultimately as a CEO, you're the, you're the, you're the final decision maker. Um, sure. And you don't want to oppose people without, without discussion, but you've got to reserve the right to make that final decision. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, it's interesting, you know, you talked about the previous few weeks of conversation that we had. And um, I think a common thread through all of them, not only was the reflection side of it and looking back on what they've learned, but they all talked about, you know, looking forward and what do they see coming in the future and how do they plan for that? And I think that's an important part of being a leader as well. Oh, I, I, I think so. I, I thought I thought Barb in particular was very good at that. Um, um, I, I know that she's worked a lot with Dave Evans um, on on the success framework, and that right. seemed to have been transformative for her yeah. and her business um, because it's given them a shape, it's given them a structure, it's given them a planning um, uh, focus. And it's and it's helped them to look at the future and plan it out with key milestones. And every business should have that. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it, it's not rocket science, but a lot of CEOs and directors of companies that I know aren't. They don't know how to how to do it. Yeah. They don't actually know how to how to do it. Oh um, yeah. And, and so they kind of forget. They kind of say, "Oh, I'll, I'll get into that tomorrow," even though it's probably the most important thing they could do today. They'll say, I'll get it tomorrow because Joe needs a bit of a help doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It's interesting because I've worked with quite a few startups over the years and helping them get going. And usually when you have a startup, they have some kind of vision, right? They That's when they first start looking at, you know, where do I want to take this business? What is it I'm trying to build here? So they have that visionary focus really at the very beginning of their business. But what I find is once they get into business, they're just sucked into the day to day and they they don't have that visionary view anymore other than what they originally had. You know, everyone always puts together a really nice business plan that talks about, you know, all of the aspects of what they're trying to build here. Who's part of the team, where I want to take this, what's the market look like, why I think I'll be successful. And then they never do it again. And yeah, that's really interesting, Eric. In a funny sort of a way, you're you're getting towards the difference between an entrepreneur and a manager. You know, yeah. And it's often said that entrepreneurs can't lead big companies because they can't lose their entrepreneurial side of their personality. And yeah. I think that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what I do find is, and what I do challenge them a lot of times is, 
when they've had that business plan and we're a couple of years out and maybe they're not as successful as they thought they were, I often tell them, go back and look at that plan. Let's let's reflect back on what you originally said you were going to do. Did you do everything that you said you were going to do? Because oftentimes you'll find that they didn't do everything and they yeah. didn't follow the plan. They got distracted or they got off track. And, um, you know, I usually encourage them, let's put a new plan together. Let's let's revise it. Let's bring it up to date. And I think that's important. So it's that reflection, but it's also then on the other hand, you know, looking forward. Yeah, no, 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 that's right. And, uh, and you know, echoing your point earlier that you made, Eric, about um, the talent in the team. Mm -hmm. I joined, uh, I joined uh, Nissan um, uh, for a couple of years after working at Ford. Yes, um, and um, and Nissan, you, you probably don't know the background, but but Nissan built a UK plant in um, the northeast of England, oh, which okay. was which was known for you know kind of a working class traditional industry of shipbuilding and coal mining, and generally the feeling was that Nissan have lost their marbles um, <laughs> because you know it, 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 it's a union background and so on and so forth. Uh, but it's the best thing they could have they, they could have done because yeah. they had a, they had a motivated committed um workforce you know at, at, at their fingertips um and when i went there after visiting a lot of ford plants around europe um i went up to the new nissan plant and you know they talk about kaizen you know the whole principle of continuous improvement but yeah. kaizen was written into the plant it was astonishing you know, because I'd come from a kind of Ford plants in the in the southeast of England, where you know they've been at the, the, the you know they've been around, the facilities have been there for eighty years, so they were grubby and run down and heavily unionized, and uh, and uh, and productivity was not high. Whereas you go to the Nissan plant, um, they, the the management were just great at saying, "Well, how do you want to do it?" And so you'd walk down the assembly line and there'd be like plastic pikes with bolts in that you could stack at one end and they'd fall onto a tray to help them to, you know, bolt the wheels on or whatever. And you'd think that doesn't look very professional. And they'd say, yeah, but it works. And that's how the guys on the line want to do it. And we just let them go ahead. And that, that, you know, it, it all sounds like kind of management speak, the whole Kaizen sort of thing. But when you see it in action, it is so powerful, unbelievable. Yeah. Since you were there, how did you guys bridge the cultural differences between, you know, the Japanese culture versus the Northern England culture? Uh, that's a great question, actually. Um, uh, now I was in the kind of sales and marketing group, so I was I was the kind of regional director for the south of England, with about forty percent of the dealers uh, as my responsibility. Um, and uh, and so I was based in the head office, which was just west of London. Um, you know, a swanky new place because it was a swanky new company. Um, and uh, and we had twenty Japanese people on the payroll, of which only two had proper jobs. Um, one was the CEO, and one was the finance director. The other eighteen were advisors, and and those advisors. So we had like two in the sales group. Um, and, and they brought elements of Japanese culture and the Nissan way of doing things. Okay. They, they were the bridge to do that. And I remember, for example, they said to us, um, I, was, I, was, I was talking to one of them, 
and this had, this had been clearly planned with the CEO, but they asked us to do a daily meeting, you know, for, at, at the start of the day, because that was the way they did it in Nissan in Japan. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of, we were kind of, initially we were kind of saying, oh, not more bloody meetings, you know, that's the last thing we want. However, it, if you make it relevant, it really does work. And so we'd had a meeting at nine o'clock, you know, whoever was in the office had to attend. If you weren't there, didn't matter. Um, it was stand up only. Uh, so there might have been 15, 15 of us on average. And, uh, and I would just say, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. These are my priorities. Um, who wants to, you know, who's got other things they want to bring, you know, bring to the discussion. It lasted about seven minutes and everyone was informed. They knew what the priorities were and they knew what people were doing. And it worked great. Yeah, yeah. That's a bit awesome. of Japanese, uh, Japanese management slice of life brought to brought to um, Surrey or wherever we wherever we worked. Yeah, yeah. So when you left Nissan, did you go work in another corporate environment? Yeah, I went to, uh, I was offered a job on a board. So it was my first kind of board director's appointment. And it was in the manpower services industry. So we had security officers were our product. So you know, okay. we provided security officers for manufacturing facilities and um, and, uh, and offices and, and stuff like that. And I was there for two years and um, I learned so much, um, which was, a, and that was a fantastic learning experience, but it was very hard. <laughs> I've put my hand on my heart. I remember them discussing um, staff turnover at the first board meeting I went to. And they were congratulating themselves that it was only 135% a year. So they were turning over. Now, we had we had like 6,000 people on, this, on the payroll. We were, wow. we were turning 6,000 and something people over every year. And I'm kind of internalizing this. I'm thinking, this can't be good. <laughs> but they were they were congratulatory because the industry average was like 145, you know, because it was a it was a low wage, low aspirational yeah. industry. And all credit to the company, we we brought in Price Waterhouse and we put in a quality improvement plan. Um, the board were the pro, uh, quality management team, and every office had a, a quality improvement team. And we had two corporate objectives. And one was staff turnover. And in two years, we got that down to about 32%. And the industry, in the industry, was thought of being as a miracle. But yeah. we really had to work hard to do it right. Huh, interesting. Because I've dealt with, I've worked a lot with people in the restaurant industry, and they had the same issue of turnover because it's low wages. It's also looked at as kind of a stepping stone type of career position. People don't, you know, think they're going to be in it long term. They may be college students, high school students. Right. And so it's a cost. There's a significant cost to turnover. And a lot of companies have looked at ways to, you know, incentivize people to stay longer. And I've worked with some clients that have done a much better job at that. And it all comes down to a lot of what we talked about earlier, getting them involved in the business, giving them responsibility, not, you know, just dictating, you know, this, how you have to do things, um, feeling a sense of, you know, being a part of a team, that kind of thing that makes a, a, a big difference in that area of turnover. Yeah, it, it does. And, and I was kind of, you know, semi-famous in the, in the company. Uh, not only I, I, I led a, a big customer service initiative 
because we, we we couldn't spell customer service. We didn't actually know what it was. Um, <laughs> but but at our annual conference, I would be putting organisational charts up charts up on the on the screen, but upside down. So I'd have security officers at the top, and then various levels of management, and then me and my board colleagues at the bottom. Yeah. And the reason I did that was because above security officers were the clients, and to me that clients you know, um, employee interface was just an essential part of what we did in a service industry. Um, yeah. But it was all backward looking and quite old fashioned. And there was a lot of, um, you know, because it was a security services, we had a lot of people coming in from the armed forces. Mm -hmm. And, and, and officers in the armed forces kind of say, well, you can tell me about many things, but don't tell me about management. And, and, I, was, and I was thinking that, no, that command and control style of, a, of an armed forces management is completely different to kind of the leader as a servant type of concept, which is much yeah. more about where management is today. Yeah. So it's fascinating. Culturally, it was really interesting. Um, sure. But I have to say it was very hard work. And I, yeah. was, glad to I was glad to leave in the end. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, when, when I think about reflection and looking back, um, one of the things I've heard people say is, oh, We've tried that before, that it didn't work. And I, I, that's something that always has stuck with me and bothered me because just because you tried it before, did you try it, you know, what kind of effort did you put into it? But also have things changed that maybe that idea makes more sense today? Maybe you're ahead of the, the times, maybe you're, you know, uh, it wasn't right for that moment. Um, so I, I just bring that up because um, I think it's important to think about, you know, don't get set in your ways and say, hey, we've tried that before, so therefore it's not a good idea. Um, I, I don't know if you've had any experience with that. or Well, I, I, I mean, uh, I, I, I'm sure you and I both come across that all the time with our, yep. with our clients. And I always ask the question, why? So mm -hmm. why didn't it work? Why are you not committed to, you know, taking positive steps forward? You know, yeah. What did you learn from it? Um, uh, did you do anything? Um, uh, have you reflected on it? Um, obviously yeah. not in the case that yeah. you've been talking about. Um, yeah. and, 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 you know, because ideas do come round. They might not be right at the time, as you say, but um, they do come round and they, they, you know, people should pick them up and polish them off and say, hmm, that's interesting, you know. Yeah. You know yeah. We, we maybe didn't implement it well enough last time. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and so there's a... There's a, there's a limited number of great ideas in management, um, and they all kind of keep coming round. I think. Uh, for, uh, for example, I was going to ask you about, you know, um, uh, Kurt and Bob and Doug and Cynthia and, and, and all of our guests. Yeah. What common mistakes do you think they made? Because I'm I am sure they made, they all they all made the same mistakes. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, in the conversations with them, they all admitted, you know, that they're not perfect and that they've learned. I think one of the things that I picked up on that they all said is that they put a plan. They all worked on putting a framework together, right? Yep. Um, but after a year or so, they all went back and revisited. And they said that they had to, you know, they modified it for somewhat, whatever reason it may be. And so... Um, reflecting on their plan, but looking at it from a standpoint, how can I make it better? How can I improve it? 
that that's kind of what I I learned from their conversation. So to say that they had failure, I don't know if there's any failure or anything they did wrong. I think it was just what I saw was they learned from what they had done or hadn't done. Um, right, se- right. Several of them had some false starts, right? Because you know the ultimate thing that you always hear from people is, "Hey, I don't have time to implement. I I, I don't have time for that." And I think what they've all learned is you have to make that time. Yeah. You have to make it. First of all, you have to get things that you're doing that are not what I call value added that you know um, can be done by others in your organization off your plate. That's one way to create time. But it's it's finding that time and reallocating. And you know, it's some people have talked about you know just better time management. To make sure that you have the time to do these kind of forward-looking planning type of activities, right? No, I, I agree with that, and 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 of course that you know it's worthwhile emphasizing for this cult consultation podcast that when you do a plan, it's a live thing. It yes. needs to be reevaluated and relooked at, and and, uh, and 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 kind of polished up for the next year, the year after that. I agree. But, 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 I, I do. I do. I, I, we didn't get into the detail of this, but where I think they've probably made most mistakes is probably with people. Hmm. Um, now I think they're all confident leaders, all of the people that we interviewed. Um, yes. But I'm, I, I know from talking to them that they've made mistakes in recruitment, in how they recruit, yeah. in how they onboard people, and how they look after people, in yeah. making ridiculous promotions and not promoting the right people. The other side of yeah. that coin. Uh, yeah. and, and I think that is almost always the common um, uh, flow in, uh, particularly in the small business um, sector, um, yeah. where your people are so important that you, you should you should not take sec- you should not settle for second best. I don't. Yeah. Know. Yeah. No, it's interesting because you know I, I've been guilty of that when I own my own business as well. Oh, me and too. Yeah. 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 It's it's easy to get caught up in that and. You know, I had a, a woman that I worked with that advised me on HR issues and things she always said is hire slow, fire fast. Yeah. So, you know, if you hire, take your time, make sure you're getting the right fit. One of the things that I've always preached is you really want to hire for who the person is and not necessarily what they know, yeah. because you can't. It's I'm not saying you can't, but I think it's very difficult to change who a person is but you can always teach them what you want them to know, right? They can learn new skills, new to new techniques, but the character, who they are, whether they're going to be a right fit for your culture, that's sometimes harder to change. And so I encourage people to make sure that you're hiring, you know, for that purpose, that, you know, they're a good fit for your organization. And the other thing is, you know, it, it, it's still, even when you do a good job of recruiting and taking your time, you know, you're going to make some bad hires. Don't hesitate to make that call quickly that, hey, this isn't working out. You know, I often recommend have like a 90 day, you know, review process where you sit down with a person and just find out whether it's going to work or not um, yeah. from both perspectives, because if that person's it's not working for them either. Then there's a problem. Then you want to get at that as soon as possible, because that sometimes hop- happens. They have maybe misled, uh, misleading expectations about the position. So you want to get to them and make sure you understand whether they're happy or not. 
Absolutely, no word, words of wisdom, Eric. And uh, and I, and and you know when I ran my last few businesses, I always had that probationary period. Um, and the difference between being, you know, um, on probation or a full time might be in the salary where you, you you guaranteed them a, you know, if you pass the probationary period, we'll we'll give you X more. Yeah. Um, but it was usually in the notice period that you know, in the in, I'm thinking about the UK here where a month's notice is the norm. Um, okay. So in the probationary period, you might just leave it as a week. Um, and as you say, it's good for both parties. Because yes. if the fit, the fit isn't right, um, if the employee feels uncomfortable or the employer feels uncomfortable, you need to know that. Yeah. You know, this is so critical right now because all you hear about in the news and just from conversations with business owners is the shortage of workforce. And yeah. it's not even just a U.S. type of issue because I know we've had conversations with, you know, others in the U.K. and they've expressed the same thing. That, it's just very difficult to find good talent um, these days. And I don't think it's a, that there's a lack of it out there. It's just finding the right ones and knowing how to find them. Um, that's the biggest challenge I find with, with most of the business owners that I talk to. I think, you, I think that's right. And, and I also think that um, the people I've been talking to haven't done much forward planning for the end of the of the end of the um, uh, pandemic, yeah. um, where you know we're coming to the end of it now, we can anticipate, but by Q4 probably latest that you know things will be relatively back to normal. It's probably right. not gone away. We may have to have you know more um, more jabs in the future, like we have a flu jab, um, but but that's incidental to the business now. You know, everyone's back at work and. Yeah, and, uh, and, and things may have shifted, but what I don't see much doing is people planning for it. You know, for the last year, they could have been looking for superstars. Yes, you know, they could have been actively saying, "Okay, here's an opportunity to build the quality of my management team." Yeah, none of none of none of my clients have done that. Yeah, the the other thing that I find because I've had people say, "Hey, I'm looking to fill this position. Here's my ad. What do you think?" I often find that. People of my generation are looking for people from their perspective. I don't know how to say this, but I once sat down with a young person and said, if you're looking for a position, what is it that you'd be looking for in an employer? And I think that's really important to get that perspective because if you want to find some young talent, you got to speak to them in the language that they're going to understand. And right. Too often I see, you know, it's your typical job, you know, offer, you know, these are the tasks that we need. And this yeah. is what we're looking at, you know, what the experience you need to have and what skill sets you need. It doesn't talk about, you know, the things that are more important to the younger generation, which is, you know, um, flexibility in the work environment. Um, you know, how, where is our business going and what's our vision for the future? You know, they yeah. want to see that there's something in it for them, that there's a future there. So I think it's really important, you know, when we talk about, you know, reflecting and also then looking forward that you incorporate that in how you go about trying to find people and bring them into your organization because you got to get them excited. Otherwise, they're not going to be I, I, compl I completely agree, Eric. It's, there is that kind of uh, generational um, difference between the kind of baby boomer generation like us yep. and the kind of millennials where, 
you know, we knew when we you know joined that you know the corporate ladder that it was a kind of greasy pole that you had to climb it, and you accepted that because that was the way of the world then, and that's yeah. not how it is now. And as you rightly say, these uh, these young millennials have got a different view of the world. They want to believe in the mission. They want the firm to have purpose of some sort that they can buy into. They don't want it just to be a job. Um, yeah. They want to, they want to be set free, you know, to use their talents. And yes. that's a, that's a, many older um, managers that I've come across find that very difficult to come to terms with because they think that you know the youngsters are, are entitled, they know it all, and but they don't know anything. And so they can get very negative about them instead of sifting through that and seeing, well, where is the truth in all of this? We should yeah. have something to to um, uh, to believe in. Yeah, no, I, and I know it from personal experience because I have children that are in that category and I ask them and I talk to them and, you know, they work very hard at what they do, but they also want to have, you know, they value their personal time as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, they've been successful because they understand what's expected of them and they work for companies that understand this. And at the same time, the company understands what their expectations are and what they need. I yeah, think it's yeah. There's a, there's a, um, a, a, you'll know of a guy called Simon Sinek, um, uh, who's written extensively about all sorts of um, management and leadership stuff. But um, if you, if you put, if you put, um, if you, if you Google Simon Sinek millennial, um, it'll come up with an interview about a 20 minute interview he did um, for some business channel uh, where he talks about how millennials have got a raw deal. Uh, and, and what employers should do about it. Uh, yeah. and, 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 and one of these basic tenets is don't bitch on about it, just accept that they've had a raw deal and do your level best to make it easier for them. Yeah, it's really, yeah, it's, really interesting. It's interesting because I listened actually to a podcast yesterday. It has nothing to do with this, but it has some relationship where it was talking about big oil business, right? And what they need to do having a long-term vision and looking forward. And it talked about how a lot of the European oil industries, BPs, the shells are being more proactive in saying, we're going to have to re-engineer our industry because the reality is oil industry is not going to be there. It may be 50 years down the road, maybe longer, but they know that they have to start looking at different alternative industries or you know sources of income than just selling oil the exception was exxon and they took the other view and their reflect reflection was hey we've always made money doing this so in their long-term plan they actually showed that they were going to increase the amount of production that they were going to do right and and it was so backwards thinking to me and um you know i think it's just that dichotomy of you know here's the same industry people leaders in the same industry and one of them just going in a totally different direction, not really thinking about the future and really, you know, whether they'll survive or not. Um, they're not concerned about that. They're just thinking about the immediate time and, you know, how much it's money. A, it's a kind of short term, short term dividend based um, shareholder, you know, looking after shareholders for the next three months type of strategy, which has just got to be wrong. Now, I remember BP um, probably 10 years ago now, they came out with a and a well thought out strategy called um, you know, BP Beyond Petroleum. 
Um, the, 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 and they, they were very early into this, and to be honest, they were ridiculed a little bit, and they yeah. pulled back from it. But now they've basically, you know, have relaunched the same sort of thing. They, they see themselves as an energy company, so they're getting into renewables big time. You know, they're getting rid of, you know, kind of marginal um, uh, oil exploration deals and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and good for them, uh, because we yeah. do need energy, but it should be renewable. It should but be... I think that's, yeah, and I think that's a prime example of, yes, you can reflect back on where you've come from and what you've done to be successful, but then how do I look forward and what do I need to, you know, what's my vision for the future? Where do I see myself going? Because I don't think the path is just keep doing what you've done before and that you're going to have success because it's just not going to happen. Yeah, uh, science science yeah, and, is and, and that, especially and that BP example is probably a great example of reflection, yes. isn't it? Yeah, yeah that, that, you know, I, I don't know if there's any continuity of management, but they certainly did not reflect back and say, oh, we tried that and it didn't work. Yeah. I think they probably reflected back as a corporation and said, you know, we gave it a go and the timing wasn't right. Yeah. But it, timing is much more right today. Yeah. Because so many governments have come out that said that we're going to you know, get rid of you know, um, petrol driven cars by 2030. We're going to have um, emphasis on uh, electric vehicles and yeah. you know, we, yeah. we're going to decrease gas and, and, uh, and uh, you know, for housing and, thing, and things like that. Um, yeah. That that actually, its time has come, and that's a yeah. good example of reflecting on your strategy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the EU seems to be leading a lot of that. Um, you know, with the Paris Accord and a lot of the discussions happen there. You know, I think the states are now starting to talk about again. You know, what is our role in in all of this? Because the concern is, if we don't do anything and we keep going down the path of what we've done in the past. Um, there won't be a world to live in. I know, and, and how, you know, just from a kind of, you know, reading the newspaper point of view, with all the stories of floods and typhoons and tempests and drowning and, you know, in places that have never had it before, like, yeah. you know, southern Germany and Belgium. And yeah. London was flooded last weekend with thunderstorms yeah. yep. created by, you know, a, a, a high pressure event um, over over the UK. This is real world stuff. It really happened. Yeah, I heard that the flood in Germany, they said that was a 500 year flood, that they've not seen anything like that in 500 years. That's amazing. Uh, but you know what's going to happen now? It's going to happen every five years yeah, or something like that. Right? Yeah, that's the concern. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, on that, on, that on that gloomy note, Eric, <laughs> <laughs> this has been Eric Schwick and Kevin Turnbull talking to you about reflecting on your business, about what's happened in the past and what value that can bring to the future. This is our consultation podcast, and it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Consultivations, brought to you by RLC Global, helping you become a best version business. If you want any help from the conversations in the show today, please reach out to info at rlc-global.com and one of our team would be delighted to talk with you. Go to rlcglobal.group for more information and free content designed to help you.